0: For some, waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ is not any easier than waiting in a doctor's waiting room, which I admit is not easy for me. The New Testament mentions the second coming of Jesus Christ 318 times, yet the church has been waiting 2,000 years for the promised return of Jesus Christ. Some in the early church grew weary of waiting for the Lord's coming, prompting Peter to write, With the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Paul wrote two letters to the Thessalonians about the Lord's coming, encouraging them and us to walk worthy, stand firm, wait patiently, and work hard until Christ comes. I'm Ron Jones And this is something good.
1: In light of Christ's future return, how shall we now live? Hello, welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Today, we come to the book of 2 Thessalonians, as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Some of the believers in Thessalonica were under the impression that Christ had already returned. They were confused, delusioned, and had begun to shirk some of their responsibilities. The Apostle Paul wrote this second letter to set the record straight, and Ron takes us there next. Stay with us now or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With today's Something Good radio message, Second Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes. Here's Dr. Ron Jones.
0: Well, L.S. Lowry was an English artist, a painter, and he painted um, something he called a doctor's waiting room in 1920. Uh, Until late in his life and career, he was known for um, brushing colorful matchstick men in busy industrialized settings, but um, he seemed to always come back for whatever reason to these environments where people were waiting for medical attention, thus his painting a doctor's waiting room now waiting for me is never an easy thing to do especially when you're waiting in a doctor's waiting room I mean uh, the fact that the doctor calls it his waiting room bugs me can I just be honest this morning with respect to all of our medical personnel I don't want to wait for the doctor to get around to seeing me I made an appointment right I made an appointment and I'm gonna get there early and I expect to see the doctor on time and to not be late and thank you for letting me get that off my chest this morning because Lowry's painting, a doctor's waiting room, triggers me. It just does. All right? Um, And in fairness, I know that medical doctors experience uh, all kinds of emergencies and they're not always in control of their time, although I'm not suggesting, I'm gonna let you off the hook on this, right? No, most of us don't like to wait. I am particular, I'm not good at waiting at a traffic light or in the doctor's waiting room. Sitting in anyone's waiting room distresses me. For some, waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ, that's where I was going. (laughs) Waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ is just as difficult as waiting in a doctor's waiting room. The New Testament, did you know this, mentions the second coming of Jesus Christ 318 times, just in the New Testament. And Jesus' first advent, not to mention his second advent, was prophesied numerous times in the Old Testament. Yet the church has been waiting 2,000 years for the promised return of Jesus Christ. Some in the early church, way back then, they grew weary of waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And this prompted the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 to write, well, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Get on his timetable, in other words, and wait. Wait patiently for his coming. The Apostle Paul actually wrote two letters to the church in Thessalonica to encourage them and to clarify their understanding about the Lord's return. We looked at 1 Thessalonians last week on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. This week we're in 2 Thessalonians and the theme is, of course, until Christ returns. He continues talking about the Lord's return. Uh, He wrote the second letter shortly after the first one. Some scholars believe within a month after he wrote the first one because more news was coming from this church about their uh, misunderstanding and their confusion. Uh, They were going through times of suffering and persecution, the Thessalonians were, uh, that they were enduring for the cause of Christ. And this complicated their distress about those who had died in Christ. Paul uh, addresses that in his first letter. Adding to their anxiety, someone had apparently misrepresented Paul's teaching and floated a letter around that looked like it came from the Apostle Paul. And um, they were suggesting that the day of the Lord had already happened. That you missed the rapture, Thessalonians. And all these tribulations and sufferings and persecutions that you're enduring, well, you're in the middle of the day of the Lord. And this confused the Thessalonians, and so Paul Paul writes again to encourage them and to clarify their understanding about the Lord's coming. And in summary, this is the big picture of where we're going in 2 Thessalonians. Paul encourages them in three or four ways. Number one, walk worthy. Walk worthy of who you are in Christ. Walk worthy of the Christ who is coming for his church. Secondly, stand firm. Stand firm in the truth. Thirdly, wait patiently and expectantly, and while you're at it, work hard. Work hard. Keep your hand to the plow. And so with that in mind, let's jump into chapter one where the theme is to walk worthy. Uh, The Lord's coming is the reason believers should, according to Paul, walk worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are Suffering And their sufferings were real 2,000 years ago. The persecutions for the cause of Christ were real. In chapter one, verses four through seven, he consoles the Thessalonians in their present situation and says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. I know some of you want to take that verse right there, put it on a bumper sticker, put it on your, uh, you know, your uh, computer, or on your uh, mirror in your bathroom. God's gonna trouble those who trouble me. It's right there in the text. But they were going through some real times of difficulty and persecution because of their faith in Christ, and, and Paul encourages them that hey, God will, God will take care of them. He is a God of justice. In time he will deal with it. Then with the future and eschatological day of the Lord in mind. The Apostle Paul turns his attention to the justice God will deliver at the end of the age, and this is where I need to say to you, uh, strap on your seat belts, tighten them up a little bit, because beginning in verse eight, Paul says this, he, that is God, will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people. And to be marveled at among all those who have believed. Among all those who have believed, Paul goes on to say, This includes you, Thessalonians, because you believed our testimony to you. Now, now these verses will part your hair. I mean, they'll set you back a little bit. I thought the God of the Bible was a God of love, and oh, oh He is and grace and mercy and second chances and third chances to respond to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's coming a day, there's coming a day when if you do not know God and you have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ by placing your faith and trust in him, you're in a camp you don't want to be in because the justice of God will fall. I don't say that with glee in my heart as a pastor, but I want to tell you something, we don't hear enough about that in the church today. And, and too much preaching about God's love and grace and mercy has led people to believe he is soft on sin and he's not a God of justice. You need to hear the whole counsel of God. And you need to understand that on the, at the end of the age, God will do these things. I must ask you, does this include you? When Paul says, there will be those who marvel at him among all those who believe. Are you gonna be in that group at the coming of our Lord that, that, that glorifies Jesus when he comes because you were among those who believed? I cannot express to you the urgency of my question this morning and the importance of you responding personally to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is available to whosoever will may come, but there is one way, one way to know that your sins are forgiven. And it's through the only person who has ever died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul concludes chapter one with a prayer for the Thessalonians. And we've been learning about Paul, the the intercessor. I, I love the way he prays for others. It gives me some words and us some words to use as we pray for others and in the process elevates our praying. He says in verse 11, to this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk worthy, he says. Jesus is coming again, and as a child of God, walk worthy of that walk in expectation of
1: that. Don't go away, we'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Second Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes. Are you new to our program? If so, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the partner tab right at the top of the homepage and check out the 828 Club. This is a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Well the Thessalonians believed that the rapture of the church had already come and they had been left behind. Paul assured them the rapture was a future event, and today, 2,000 years later, it still is. With the second half of today's Something Good radio message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Chapter
0: two though, um, Paul turns his attention to correcting the spurious teaching that had seeped into the church in Thessalonica from the false teachers about Uh, the Lord's coming and especially about the day of the Lord. And again, given the tribulations and the persecutions and the uh, sufferings that the Thessalonians were experiencing as followers of Jesus Christ, they had mistakenly come to believe they were in the tribulation. They were The day of the Lord had arrived. They had missed the rapture. That's what some were teaching them. And Paul writes to encourage them and to comfort them with this reminder beginning in chapter two and verse one. Follow along as I read. He says, now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seemingly to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. He goes on to say, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Paul couldn't have been more clear. There's a lot of, lot of specific detail in there. First of all, he states why the day of the Lord, which is something he discussed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. You remember that? Uh, Preceding that was his discussion about the rapture of the church in chapter four, verses 13 through 18. And he he clearly, in the way he transitions between those two in his first letter, he is delineating a a second event and an ordering of events. Um, But he uh, states why the day of the Lord has not happened for the Thessalonians uh, by saying there are two more things that must happen besides the rapture of the church. One is what he calls the rebellion. He says the rebellion must take place. Now the Greek word translated rebellion in verse three is the word apostasia. It's where we get our English word apostasy. And in some Bible translations like the New American Standard Uh, translation, uh, they use the word apostasy. In the uh, English Standard Version from which I'm reading, it's um, the rebellion. In the King James Version, it's the falling away. Um, All of that is descriptive of something Paul says must take place before the day of the Lord is here. Now apostasy is the abandonment of truth. It is the wholesale rejection of God's fourfold revelation in creation, our conscience, in the written Word of God that we call the Bible, and in the living Logos, or the living Word, who is Jesus Christ. Let me just pause for a moment and talk about that. God has revealed Himself to us in four ways first, in creation. You can just look around and you ask the question, how did we get here? The lie of evolution says, "Ah, it's an accident of chance plus time. No, God has given enough evidence in creation for you to conclude this isn't an accident. I'm not an accident. God created us. And Romans chapter 1, as sobering as it is, says if somebody rejects the revelation of God just in creation, you're still responsible before him. But he goes on and gives us another revelation in our conscience. Uh, That part of us, I I call it the God awareness. Uh, An awareness of God and an awareness of right and wrong. You know what's right, you know what's wrong, we all do. Now you can suppress the conscience, you can silence the conscience, you can deny truth and the conscience. Jiminy Cricket said, let your conscience be your guide. I say, oh be careful, be careful. If you deny or suppress your conscience, or silence it in any way your conscience is not a good guide it will lead you in the wrong way but God has written into the software of our humanity an awareness of him but then he goes further he gives us the written word we've been on the ultimate road trip through the Bible we've been going through the written word the revelation of God 66 books written over almost 1600 years 600,000 plus Words, like a love letter written to you and a love letter written to me, the revelation of God. Now, you can deny it, you can kick it to the street, you can say, oh, it's not trustworthy. Well, then comes the fourth way he's revealed himself to us, through the living word, or the logos, who is Jesus Christ, okay? So the apostasy is the wholesale rejection of God, in all the ways he has revealed himself to us. It is the abandonment of truth. A further and final falling away in the fallen world in which we live uh, will happen to inaugurate the ultimate day of the Lord. While it may have seemed to the Thessalonians 2,000 years ago that they looked around and they thought, well, this world has fallen away. The apostasy is now, and likewise, we look around in our world and say, boy, I mean, you you can't imagine a time where people have abandoned the truth, not to mention common sense, as much as it is in our time, and yet nothing like what will happen at the end of the age happened 2,000 years ago. And although the abandonment of truth is accelerating in our time, I think we're just you know, maybe not at the beginning, but we got more to go. Fifty years ago, people started telling us that, you know, there is no absolute truth, that truth is relative to the individual. Now we have governments of the world looking at us with a straight face and telling us there are 150 genders. What? Not only casting aside truth, but common sense and common beliefs and mores and morals that have tied together human civilizations for at least 5,000 years of human history. Are we really abandoning all of that? Well, Paul says, as the day of the Lord approaches, after the rapture, one of the things that has to happen is is the rebellion, the apostasy, the falling away. And as we get closer and closer to that time, We who embrace truth as God has revealed himself are going to scratch our heads more and more and go, what? Are you kidding me? Second, he says, the man of lawlessness is revealed before the day of the Lord. He calls him also the son of destruction. Now, who is the man of lawlessness? Well, interpretations throughout church history vary. Some say Paul was uh, speaking figuratively of the Roman Empire. Later, some wanna say, no, this is about Judaism or the Caesars or the succession of popes. And all of that tinkers with the plain meaning of words, which is always the place to start when you're interpreting the Bible. Uh, Paul is not talking about a system, but an actual man. The man of lawlessness. And later in chapter two, verse seven, he differentiates the man of lawlessness from the mystery of lawlessness, which he says is at work today. We'll come back to that in a moment. And besides, I say that the, uh, the best way to interpret scripture is with other scripture. Okay, just comparing scripture with scripture. When Paul says that the man of lawlessness, in verse five, takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God, our minds should race to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, which uh, packs the timeline of world history all the way to the end of the age in a very succinct prophecy. And that speaks of someone who will take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God at the end of the age. You say, what temple? The temple that has yet to be built in Jerusalem
1: the God we serve is patient long-suffering loving but a day of judgment is coming which is why the Word of God tells us that today is the day of salvation You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, 2 Thessalonians, Until Christ Comes, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Just use the radio tab that's right at the top of the homepage. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. It's a return to the fundamentals of the Christian faith, one that will help you make a disciple of Jesus Christ who will go and make more disciples. To find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good is a listener-supported media ministry, meaning it's your prayers and financial support that make it possible. And today, for your gift to Something Good Radio, we'll give you access to a new resource written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with this current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an e-book that covers all 13 of the Pauline Epistles. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can even call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: Believe it or not, as much as our world is falling away and spinning out of control seemingly right before our very eyes, It's restrained. It's on a leash. It's held back. Who is he who restrains lawlessness? Well, let me just cut to the chase. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit restrains the man of lawlessness until the appointed time.
1: That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message Second Thessalonians Until Christ Comes. Join us then for something good For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.